630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Inside Sports on 630 Jet. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll have an Oilers game tomorrow. Our broadcast will start at 630 here on 630 Jet as they take on Detroit. U of A Golden Bears in action tonight in Saskatoon. Game one of the Canada West final. Both teams have qualified for nationals. And uh, 1-1 early in the second period between the Bears and the Huskies. In the NHL, the Penguins lead the Lightning 3-2. That's in the third. Late second period, 2-2 between Arizona and Carolina. Early second period, the Jets lead the Blues 1-0. Blake Wheeler gets his 18th. Detroit and Calgary just getting underway. Islanders and Blackhawks scoreless late in the first. Leafs and Ducks coming up later tonight. Keeping an eye on the Raptors game as well. They're facing the Washington Wizards. 92-87 for the Raptors with about six and a half minutes left. Well, I, uh, it's always interesting to me what pro athletes do after they retire. For some guy, for some uh, men and women, it's a tough transition. Other people slide into something new fairly easily. And I also love the talking about ex-players on uh, their perspective on some of the things currently happening in their sports. And I'm pleased to welcome former NHL defenseman Mike Weaver to Inside Sports. Mike, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? How's it going, Reed? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you played, uh, what, 633 games in the NHL. You were last with the Habs in 14-15. Uh, you were on that 14 team that uh, went deep into the playoffs. Uh, what was it like playing a couple of years in, in, in Montreal? Was it as nuts as everybody always says it is? Oh, it's one of the best things that ever happened to my uh, playing career. Um Obviously, being in Canadian cities, uh, it's always the pressure is that much more. And but it was just something special to be a part of, especially making it so far in playoffs. Last night, they honored PK Subban. He was back with Nashville. He he teared up during the uh, during the ceremony. You would have you would have played with PK, I guess. Give us your perspective of having his as a teammate, and maybe your your reaction last summer when you found out he'd been traded. Well, I, I had a feeling that they were. Um, it was. Uh, it's obviously a, a very difficult decision based on what he's done for the city, uh, how um, how he, he was with all the fans. But uh, from a decision uh, as a GM, uh, I, I really admire what Berge, Bergevin has has done. He's he doesn't he doesn't follow the, the path that most people do and that's something that is uh, remarkable he's made some amazing uh, decisions that basically the whole entire city is against uh, in the end uh, you know it seems to work out and it, it's it's amazing all right, you you played defense in the NHL. I mentioned your 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 long career, and uh, you you finished in fourteen fifteen. 
So I know you never played against McDavid, but we got Matthews in the league. We got Line in the league. When you watch it now, just what strikes you about some of the younger guys in the league? Is it the speed? Is it is it the vision? And, and especially from a defenseman's perspective, I mean, I wonder, wonder if you ever sit there and think, how would have I defended that guy? Uh, I, I I always love going against the best. Uh, that's the only way that you're going to improve. I did that all the way through youth hockey. Uh, you know, right into pro. Um, when there was an opportunity to go against the best in practice, I always did. Everybody would be like, oh, I'm not going against him. You want to go first? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll go. Um, so at some point, you got to go against the best. So, um, yeah, I, I always liked the challenge behind it. Uh, when I went to training camp, a lot of people don't remember when I went to training camp for Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, that's when I got picked up on waivers by Vancouver. Uh, it was amazing being in practice with uh, with uh, Sid, and um, just uh, after practice, uh, him uh, and uh, myself and Colby Armstrong would play monkey in the middle. And I was always in the middle, but it was just amazing just going against the best and seeing what they do and trying to go ahead and come up with a solution how to stop it. And that's really what the game is. You're, you know, I was always a student of the game. And I always went ahead and watched a lot of game video and figured out different solutions to problems that I was having. You know, Mike, well, we're going to transition into something that you're doing to, to help uh, hockey as well. But I, I just, I mean, we've never met before. We've never done an interview before. But just after four minutes, I, I, and I think listeners will get this impression as well, you strike me as the type of guy that you just you just drank in every moment in the NHL. Like, you appreciated every moment. You were always trying to get better. And, I, you know, sometimes guys don't always have that appreciation or maybe not as much as fans would hope, but it sounds like you were, you were living the moment every, every single second. For sure. And, and I wasn't just enjoying my journey, and that's really what it was. You know, for me being, me, me being such a short defenseman, I knew that and it was a defensive defenseman, I didn't score a lot of points. I knew that at some point, whether I played one game in the NHL or played 633 games with 13 seasons, I knew at one point I would have to go ahead and and fall back on my education. So I was able to get a full scholarship to Michigan State. I uh, played uh, four years there. I got a telecommunication degree, got a minor in virtual reality, software development, and web design. So while I was on the planes, going from city to city while everybody was losing money at the poker table I was going ahead and designing websites and kind of staying uh, kind of relevant with with the ever-changing technology well and that's a great transition because you have a new web-based app called Coach Them, and I was just looking at the website as well, coachthem.com. I'll let you kind of just give a general overview of, of what this is. It's, it's pretty interesting. Tell people about Coach Them. So Coach Them, uh, so coach, T-H-E-M.com, will change the way coaches plan and discover drills for practices. Um, preparation is the key to creating a challenging skill development practice, and in my experience of, uh, you know, two years out of the NHL, um, I've seen coaches in the NHL prepare. Uh, some prepared more than others, uh, but they always had a practice plan. And, and in youth hockey, you see that a lot of coaches are sh- show up with five minutes before practice. They have drills written on napkins. They're, they're you know, I've, in the last 
few months, I've been asking the coaches on Coach Them what did you used to do previous to this. And they're saying that they're going ahead and asking all the coaches throughout the week what, what drills they want to do. And they're, they're, they're using PowerPoint to go ahead and, and drag graphics on there and come up with their practice plan. It would take them a couple hours to do. Well, with Coach Them, we have we have uh, drills on there for the beginner coach, the coach that took a weekend class and said, hey, you know what, you get a certificate and say, oh, here's your uh, certificate. But that certificate doesn't come with all these years of experience. And then also for the pro coach, we have a new technology to go ahead and draw inside a browser um, without the use of a flash plug-in, downloadable app, or installable program. So we are complete web-based, and a coach is able to go ahead and use their if they're on a tablet, use their finger or, or Apple Pencil um, or using their mouse to go ahead and draw. So from the beginner coach to the pro coach, we got something for, for you. Well, this is incredible. And this, this was all, was this you, your idea alone? Did you have partners or how did you get this rolling? Well, it was kind of my, my idea to start uh, when I was, uh, I, I've had my hockey school for 13 years. Uh, it's a thinking camp. And um, it's in Toronto. And I would always go ahead and try and uh, create unique drills myself and go ahead and alter current drills. And I felt that I, I felt like it was like paper macheing drills together and in, 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 uh, on a piece of paper, redrawing drills and cutting them up and reorganizing them. It just, I, there had to be a better way. And then when I was uh, signed with Florida Panthers, Rob Tallis, the goalie coach there, said, hey, it's crazy. The program they use is a Windows-based program, works best on a Windows 7. And he's like, there's got to be a better way. So, you know, with my background, and I assembled a a couple developers, and we didn't want to just follow the path of all these other programs out there. So we built our own technology, and it took us two years to develop this new technology. Um, Just to have this a complete web-based uh, app. So it's not an app you download on the App Store. It's, you just go every single time. If your device has a browser, our product works on it. Interesting. Okay, so it took you it took you two years. What was it? What was it like? I mean, you sort of touched on being prepared, but just going from player to entrepreneur. First of all, I mean, did you go through that transition, or did you still do you still have it where you miss the competitiveness of of the NHL, or was this like pretty smooth? I mean, it's you've you've basically started a business here. That that's not easy for a lot of people. Were there some ups and downs over the last couple of years? Yeah. Well. It took us two years to come up with the technology for this, but it's, it's basically been about four years uh, in the making. Um, uh, I, I got a really, uh, I'm really good with uh, interface design, so going ahead and visually, that this whole entire website is basically my vision of what it should be. And um, yeah, it, w- it was tough. Um, like I said, well, uh, guys are on the uh, at the card table uh, on the plane. And, uh, you know, I was going ahead and going ahead and doing this. And, and I didn't write the code. Uh, I had developers that are way more advanced than me in, in the back end uh, to do this. Um, and since retiring, I've been up at 3 a.m. for the last uh, year and a half since I retired working on this thing. So this is uh, something that 
is amazing. You, you design on your desktop, you view on your tablet, and you go on the ice with your smartphone, and you teach with your smartphone on the ice. It just works. Every single part of it, it, it doesn't matter what device you're using. And, and I, I just love... I just love being able to take my phone on the ice, and I have everything. You don't waste paper. The only thing you just got to disclose with all your parents to let them know that you're not doing a Facebook update status. <laughs> right. That's, that's a good piece of advice. Former HL defenseman Mike Weaver joining us on Inside Sports. Again, check this out, coachthem.com. It's, it's, it's a pretty cool website. Um, so is this, I, you sort of touched on this, but is this is aimed at somebody who maybe even has little experience with hockey up to, I mean, are you going to have junior coaches, midget AAA coaches using this? I mean, can it? Oh, is it... We, we have Florida Panthers using us completely. We oh, have wow. uh, San Jose is just coming on it now. Calgary, um, uh, we uh, have been in talks with them a little bit. And um, with uh, uh, Montreal is uh, uh, using a little bit. And so it's a little, little bit of, uh, um, we've only been out for, we, we've released it about a month ago. And, you know, we got a couple of universities, Michigan State, we have Williams College. And our, our main focus to go ahead and get the associations, because associations, like it's, they have fathers being put in the position of, okay, either you go ahead and coach your, your son's team or, they're not, or daughter's team, they're not going to have a, a team to go to. Um, so they're very inexperienced, like, like you, you touched there. And the, the director of hockey of the association, his main job is to go ahead and create your teams, go ahead and add coaches to those, these teams, but is to go ahead and help the process of these coaches going ahead and um, creating um, effective practice. And to this point, there hasn't been a product that, that has allowed um, – these uh, director of hockey to go ahead and be able to uh, add plans for the different teams, add their drills. So they, if you're coaching an association, you're going to have access to the drills of that association, the plans of that association, but also being uh, have access to our marketplace. We're going to be adding. We have a, a, a few um, drills up there right now. We're going to be adding uh, uh, a few every week. We have um, Gerard Gallant. Uh, he added his uh, top five favorite drills. Uh, next week, we're going to be uh, having another coach that's going to be adding his. Um, so we're going to be going ahead and uh, getting our current NHL teams that are using our product to go ahead and uh, you know give back to the hockey community. Well, Mike, that's really cool, and it's uh, I, I think it's great that you're you're finding a way to contribute to hockey. And obviously, I mean, you mentioned some pro teams that are using it in colleges, but it's going to going to have a huge grassroots uh, impact as well. Hey, Mike, I hope we can talk again. Maybe we can touch base uh, during the playoffs and see how this is going, and get your thoughts on on uh, what happens when we get deeper into the postseason too, man. It's really great to get to know you a bit. Awesome, thank you so much, and uh, yeah, for sure. Let me know. That is Mike Weaver checking in tonight, veteran of over 600 NHL games, recently retired, and he was talking about his new project, CoachThem.com. Man, he put a lot of work into that, a lot of respect for him, for sure. All right, it's 721. We've got to take a quick timeout. Inside Sports on 630 Chet.
Casey Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Of course, 630 Chad, the voice of your Eskimos and Oilers. We're a few months away from an Eskimos game, but we'll get there. A lot to happen with the Oilers between now and the start of the football season. We'll keep you updated on both as we roll along. And if you ever missed anything or want to read up more, we have dedicated pages on our website to each team, 630Ched.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Kellen Kennedy is our studio producer this evening. Kellen, you're working the game tomorrow? Uh, uh, partially. Partially, Brandon Graziano is going to help you out. When are you going yep. to WrestleMania? When is that again? Uh, I'll be leaving town on March 29th, and WrestleMania oh, itself is April 2nd. Oh, so yeah. I don't have still to worry like yet. three weeks away. All right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, not that I'm like actively worrying about it, but you know what no. I mean. No. You, Sam- don't have, you, don't, you don't have to worry for three more weeks, at least. Yeah, I'm not sitting yeah. around like tense about it. <laughs> Sam G texts in. He says, Hi, Reed. As a Red Wings fan, it's going to feel weird not having them in the playoffs, but most of us kind of knew it was going to happen sooner or later. At least the Oilers are going to be in to fill the void, so it's a win-win for me. I usually don't care who wins when the two teams play. I just want a good game and overtime to finish it off. Uh, Sam G says, I will probably go with the Oilers jersey and Red Wings hat or the other way around if I get to go to the game tomorrow. Great talking to you. Sam G, great talking to you as well. You know what? I gotta be honest with you, Kellen. Am I... Now, I don't have. I don't always have the best memory in the world. Mm-hmm. I Sam G texts quite regularly. Yes. I did not know he cheered for the Red Wings. So there you I go. either forgot or he had never mentioned it before. But if I forgot, I feel a little bad. We have tons of original six fans in the city here. John texts in as well. This is, this is a good one. John was a little frustrated earlier in the show. He texted this about uh, an hour ago. He says, Reed, the worst thing about being an Oilers fan is other Oilers fans. Apparently, there are about a million people in the greater Edmonton area who are somehow more qualified to be an NHL coach or GM than McClellan or Shirelli. I'm embarrassed and quite frankly disgusted that people actually approach Oilers management in public to give their ignorant and uninformed advice on everything from trades to line combinations. Get a clue, fellow Oilers fans, and stop thinking you know more than you do. That is a passionate email from John tonight. Do people approach them in, in public and give line combinations? That's the first I've heard of that hey, happening. don't take your ignorant and uninformed opinion to them directly. Just take it to me, and I'll give you an ignorant and uninformed response. Can we all just be happy doing that? <laughs> Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Coming right back after the news. Smart. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Chad. Red Wings in Calgary, 1-1, 12 minutes into the game down the highway. Red Wings here tomorrow to face the Oilers. We'll have it on 6.30, Ched. Other NHL action as we check the Crystal Glass scoreboard. Crystal Glass, for all your glass needs, you can visit crystalglass.ca. The Penguins have beaten the Lightning 5-2, three goals in the third for the Pens. Coyotes and Hurricanes 2-2, about five minutes into the third. Late second period, Jets still up 1-0 on the St. Louis Blues. Islanders and Chicago, no score. They're now into the second period. Maple Leafs and Ducks coming up later tonight. And just checking the uh, Golden Bears game, seeing if we got a goal. Nope, still 2-2 between the uh, Golden Bears and the Saskatchewan Huskies in Saskatoon. Third period about to start. Game one of the best of three Canada West final. That uh, 
both teams have qualified for nationals, so the uh, champion will likely get a higher seat. So we'll see how that shakes down. I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 6:30. Chad, thanks for starting the weekend with us, and I am pleased to welcome back to the show. It has been far too long. Champion curler David Nedowin. David, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Reed. Thanks for having me back. Yes, good to good to talk to you. Thanks for making time for us because I, I believe you're going to coach right away, aren't you? Yeah, I've actually got my youngest daughter, Alyssa, that uh, we're coaching her. Heather and I kind of joint duties on that, so we're going to take her and uh, her teammates out and do a little late night practice tonight. Okay, now uh, how many how many kids do you have, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, two girls. My my older daughter Hallie is into hockey and lacrosse, so she likes to knock people around. And uh, <laughs> Alyssa's uh, doing really well with the curling. So it wasn't curling mandatory then. You were oh, you let them be open minded with choosing a sport. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, my uh, Hallie just came back from a tournament they won in uh, Las Vegas, so uh, a big lacrosse tournament down there. So she did really well with her school, the the Vimy School, uh, at that tournament. Oh, awesome stuff. Okay, when how does uh, I mean I got to tell you, David, I have never really curled. I mean, I've I've done a couple bond spiels, so it's it's something I enjoy watching, but I've never really done. What's a good age for a, a youngster to start curling, and what are some of the fundamentals you try to get them to master early? Well, I, I mean, I think you can start at a pretty young age. They have uh, Little Rock programs, lots of junior programs. So, I mean, six, seven, eight years old, you can get out there and start learning how to do it. Uh, my wife, Heather, runs the Short Park Curling Club, which uh, the, the junior program is busting at the seams there. Um, and then, you know, as you start to learn the technique and really start to figure out how to throw the rock and use the momentum, um, you know, even, even at the young ages of like 9 and 10, uh, the ice is so good these days, it's so fast that uh, they can start making good shots and, and playing in tournaments. Um, I know Alyssa, when she was uh, last year, 10 years old, and they were in the, uh, the Mark Kennedy Bond Spiel in St. Albert, and they, they won that event. Um, you know, and they're playing against 13, 14-year-olds, so it's, uh, it's really just a matter of, of, I guess, like most sports, it's uh, a matter of learning the, the technique and the skills. If you can get them throwing well technically, then, you know, that, that sort of overrides the strategy even at that age, and the strategy will come after that. So really it's about, uh, it's about technique and skill, just I guess, in, like every other sport. David Nedowin joining us inside Sports on 630. Chet, you, uh, what, played in the Briar five times. You won it four times. It starts tomorrow. Now I know you've uh, you know moved on a bit uh, competitively here, but when it comes to this weekend, Briar Week, what kind of uh, memories and emotions does that stir in you? Well, the the Briar was uh, and and is a very special event to me for sure. Um, it was the the dream as a kid growing growing up that you get to play in it uh, once, and and of course I was fortunate enough to be on a team that uh, we went to it quite a few times and and had a great run. Um, but every time we went to it, it was it was just as special as the last time. And so now when I look at some of the teams going uh, this year, whether it's a, a veteran like Glenn Howard uh, coming out of Ontario or, you know, a rookie uh, like the Botcher rink coming out of Alberta, uh, I know uh, there, there's going to be those uh, nerves and those jitters tonight uh, as they get ready for tomorrow. But it, it really is the event that every team dreams of being in and playing in because it's, it's going to be a packed uh, house. I mean, it's on on TSN all week, um, and you're, you're playing to wear a maple leaf on your back, which is just the best feeling in the world. You know, I uh, I always say I like interviewing, um, you know, former, well, I know you're still involved in curling, but you know what I mean, former players, because sometimes they'll, they'll be a little more open. 
uh, it's so competitive at the Briar. I mean, some people consider it, well, I think most people would consider it more competitive than the World Championship. How tense does it get out there? Was there ever genuine dislike between your rink and other rinks? I mean, how fiery can it be? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think on the ice it can get really heated. Uh, there's no question. You you're, you train all year long to, to be in those uh, events, and one shot can make the difference between maybe winning a national championship or, or not. Um, so you, you definitely sort of put all your friendships and everything else to the side, and when you're out on the ice you're really just there doing your job. But um, for the most part, I would say that curling is, is one of those great sports that uh, when it is over, um, you know, they're, for the most part, everybody really is really good friends. I mean, you, you travel together all year long. You're at most of the same events. You get to know each other and, and hang out with each other. So I don't think there's too many uh, rivalries out there that are more than just that, rivalries. Um, you know, over the years, we, we played against uh, Martin for uh, a lot of years, and there was a huge rivalry here, and, and certainly... Uh, a lot of fans and media like to build it up, maybe even you know more than it was uh, off the ice, just like you know Calgary Edmonton uh, as far as the hockey goes. Um, but it, it, those rivalries are healthy, and they're what uh, I think inspires younger curlers to say we need to compete with these two teams and makes them better. And you get that strength in places like Edmonton and, and Winnipeg, for example. Well, absolutely, people like when the media builds it up, and because nobody wants to hear like, oh look, they're best friends playing each other, right? They no. want to hear they want to crush each other. Uh- um, Absolutely. And then there's nothing we wanted more than to beat uh, Martin at the time, and there's nothing he wanted more than to beat us. Uh, just a couple more for you, David, because I know, I know you got to get on the ice. Dave Nettowin joining us, uh, four-time uh, Briar champ. Did the... I mean, and you were known for making great shots, but did the did the pressure or the... And I almost hate to ask this because I know you're, you were used to dealing with it, but did the pressure and the nerves at the Briar ever get to you, even if it was just on one shot? Well, I mean, I, I'd probably be lying if I said that the 2004 Briar that we lost, we weren't feeling the pressure by the end of it. We had a huge lead on Mark Dacey, and, and you mentioned we went to, to five, and we, we won four. Uh, the one we lost was a complete collapse. Um, and, and I'd be lying if I said in the last uh, end that, that I wasn't feeling the pressure, and I was, and it and it showed. So, you know, for us, uh, that's, that's often what you build great championships off, and and in our case, you know, we were looking at winning another one, and we came back to Edmonton the next year and, and won it. So we, we were able to take those feelings and, and learn from it and be better the next year. And uh, we, we did some extraordinary by winning in front of our home crowd the next year. So, yeah, it, it does get to you at times. And uh, the best thing you can do as an athlete is, is acknowledge it and learn from it and improve the next time. But when you're on national TV and you've played for a whole week and the game's three hours long and uh, you've got one shot to, to win it for your whole team, um, it's it's a little hard to completely put that on your mind, for sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, fair enough. Uh, last one, and I promised Andrew Gross, who co-hosts our afternoon show, I would uh, I would ask this. Uh, the Briar is known for uh, consumption of beverages at times. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> do, do you have any Briar Patch stories? Did, 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 oh gosh, I, it, you know what? Um, like it must be I, tempting, well, right? Patch stories. I just have to filter the, which ones I can actually tell on the air, but. Um, you, you know, one of the best uh, briars is actually in Saskatoon for the patch. And um, actually, I got two stories. So it, the patch was so big that they actually had street signs in it so that you could look up and say, hey, I'm going to be at the corner of, I, you know, I forget what the street signs were. But you, there's no way if you walked into that patch with like 3,500 people or, or 4,000 people in that patch that you would say, hey, I'll meet you at the patch because there's no way 
you would you would ever see them. So that patch was insane. I mean, I, I can't even imagine uh, how many drunk Saskatchewanites there were that <laughs> throughout that entire week, morning till night. And people would set up shop like first thing in the morning. Like they would get their table, they get their cards out. They would never even go into the arena. They would just watch on the big screens in the patch. So it was it was something else. But um, playing in Winnipeg was was pretty special for the world. It wasn't the Briar Patch, but it was the world's patch. And uh, it took almost an hour to uh, to actually get from uh, the entrance of the patch to our to our table. And so I, I actually only ended up going once because it was just it was too hard to even move around. And you know, being from Winnipeg, I had lots of people coming up to me uh, all the time, and and uh, it was great to see people that you knew. But sometimes too, you get that uh, that odd. Uh, kind of awkward situation where somebody will come up and be like, hey, do you remember me? And uh, the, the one time when I was in there and a fellow had come up and he started saying that, I said, you know what, I, I kind of recognize you, but I, I honestly can't remember exactly where from. And he's, he's like, come on, think. And I'm trying to think, and I was just being honest with him. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't remember exactly. You're going to have to tell me your name. And he, he wouldn't let it go. And finally, he just goes, I can't believe you don't remember me. I used to pump your parents' septic tank at the lake when you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> How could you not remember, David? Unbelievable. Stuck-up athlete. <laughs> wow, that's a beauty of a story, man. Uh, thanks for sharing that. I know you got to get on the ice. I wish we could have more time. We'll try to do this again soon, David. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Yeah, anytime, Reed. Give me a call if you want. You're in the briar, and we can do a lowdown if you want. Yeah, I'd love to. Have a good night. Okay, you too. Dave Netto would check it in. Uh, four-time briar champion. Well, there... <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. I, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that's where that was gonna go. That's uh, wow! All of a sudden, you're everybody's friend when you're one of the best curlers in the country. That was a good one. We got to take a timeout. We will do a final update of the scoreboard, and you may have seen it. If not, I'm sure you've heard of it. The locally produced movie called Ice Guardians about enforcers in the NHL. We have some continuing developments with that film and its availability. We'll have the producer on the show, Adam Scorgi, when we get back. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right, Calgary's now up 2-1 on Detroit late in the first period. Full scoreboard update before we sign off at 8 o'clock. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. My name is Reed Wilkins. Special hello tonight to Jay from Athabasca, who I believe is tuning in. Jay, good to have you out there in Wilkieville this evening. Hey, I want to update everybody on this uh, great film, Ice Guardians, locally produced by Adam Scorgi. And Adam's going to hop on with us right now. Adam, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Me on. Yeah, good to talk to you again, man. Uh, how, how's life? You enjoying the uh, the Oilers season and the playoff push they got going on here? Of course. Uh, you know, being a diehard Oilers fan and confessing to that for years and staying true is tough, so it's nice to see them having some success and, you know, and making this playoff push. All right, and uh, your movie, Ice Guardians, is having some success uh, as well. I know you have some, uh, uh, some updates here about uh, availability and uh, maybe another screening here, uh, here in Edmonton because that would be ex- exciting as well. What's the latest? Yeah, so it'll be releasing uh, March 7th uh, everywhere in the U.S. and internationally on almost all platforms, Amazon, iTunes, Vimeo, Google Play, Sony, digital, you know, also cable networks. Canada still exclusively on Super Channel or any Air Canada flight you go on. You can watch it on there as well. Uh, and then, yeah, we've been had so many requests because... 
you know, some people have super channels. Some people are cutting their cable these days. So they said everyone in Edmonton keeps wanting to do another screening. So we are in the works of putting something together at the beginning of April here in town because we just had so many requests. And, you know, with the Oilers making a playoff run, we think we can get a few of the guys out. So I think we're going to do something here in Edmonton again as well. Well, th- that'd be incredible because I know how positive uh, people spoke about the film when they saw it. When was that, back in the fall you had it at the Garneau or at the Metro? Yeah, yeah, it would have been at the end of September Okay, we did it, so quite a while back. And, you know, my, my daughter's hockey team, everyone's like saying the same thing. We hear great things, we haven't seen it yet, so be nice to do it. And, and for me as a filmmaker, it's always great to be able to do it in your local community and, you know, have a few of the players out and then also just get to see it on the big screen because it was really created for that, so it's fantastic to see people go through that journey. So we don't have a date and stuff locked out, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen in the first couple weeks of April. You know what I when when we've talked in the past, Adam, on and off air. That's part of it I, I find really fascinating because as a as a consumer of movies, what have I always done? I've gone to the uh, movie theater or I've gone to a video store when we still had those, and I've brought home a VHS tape or a DVD, right? But you're on the other side of it. So what's it like? trying to distribute the movie and get it on screens and get it as available to as many people as possible. It sounds like it's not nearly as straightforward as the customer might might think it is. No, it's so tough and and that's a great question because that is like today with distribution is drastically changed even from three years ago, right? Because you have Netflix providers, you have people cutting cable nowadays, and, you know, uh, even uh, Scorsese's latest movie that Paramount thought was too risky, and it's going right to Netflix. So it's definitely a very different, um, you know, avenue and different ways to, like, how's the best way to get a documentary seen? And, you know, this film wouldn't exist without Super Channel, so that's why they have the exclusive rights in Canada, other than theatrical, which we can share. And theatrical, for me, this just as a filmmaker geeking out, is, is my favorite. You know, when you're sitting there with an audience full of people coming to watch your work and you see them having an emotional connection, you know, we've had people tear up, even former players and stuff. I've had, you know, dozens of former NHLers come up to me and say, thank you for finally telling this story correctly. So that's my favorite, is to be able to share it with an audience and preferably some of the players that are either in the film or, you know, have experienced this this role and the history of it. It's my favorite part, but the, the distribution dynamic has really changed. So we're very fortunate to get the support we have from Super Channel and the releases we did, and to be able to give it worldwide, excluding Canada, on all platforms is very rare. We're very happy we're able to do that. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Adam Scorgi joining us on Inside Sports, producer of the film Ice Guardians. Uh, I, I'm assuming everybody knows about, about the movie, but, but we shouldn't make that assumption, or you should remind people who have heard of it before, and, and touch on what what you said there, the emotion that it tends to uh, to bring out uh, in, in, in people when, when they, you know, when they get drawn into the content and the stories in the film. Yeah, so for those of the listeners that aren't familiar with Ice Guardians, it's really a look at the history and role of the NHL Enforcer. Uh, you know, why it was created in hockey, how it evolved over the years, and kind of where it, the evolution is looking at going. Um, so... That's that's the brace of the film. But, yeah, I mean, for us, like I said, we've already, you know, we've received rave reviews and stuff like that from the L.A. Times and Bob McKenzie. But for us, the ultimate reward that was like winning the Oscar was having the NHL players that were involved and others that just watched from the outside really say how much this film 
was bang on and impacted them in the right way. To us, that was the ultimate reward. And we've received that from everybody from current players like Derek Dorsett, uh, you know, to players that were in the film, Kelly Chase, Kevin Westgarth. It's really been a tremendous honor to be able to tell these guys' story and, as they put it, correctly. All right, and before I let you go, uh, I know you're working, as you mentioned, on something in Edmonton, hopefully early April, but what's going on in Vancouver March 30th with Ice Guardians? This sounds pretty cool. Yeah, so March 30th, we have a very special premiere of Ice Guardians in Vancouver. It'll be at the Rio Theatre with uh, Gino Ocek doing the Q&A, and a uh, majority of the proceeds from that screening are going to his foundation, the Gino Ocek Foundation. And for those that are unfamiliar with Gino Ocek, he's a very, very... Um, you know, well-known enforcer, our ice guardian that played for the Vancouver Canucks, voted one of the top 40 most influential Canucks to ever play. Now, I'm not a Canucks fan, but I am a Dino Ocek fan. And, I mean, just a year and a half ago, he was diagnosed with a rare heart disease that they thought he wasn't going to last more than six months. But the warrior that he is, he is now on an experimental medication. He's now, you know, seeming right now to be, you know, healthy as can be. I mean, not peak physical condition but for when they thought he was going to pass away he's feeling much better so it's if you have a chance to come out to the rio march 30th uh doors open at six tickets are at seven tickets are twenty dollars and it goes to his foundation and a chance to watch the film with him and do a q a is something we don't know how much longer we have him so it's a real special opportunity if you have the ability to be there i will be flying in for it for sure that's awesome stuff, Adam. Thanks for the update, and I, I know the movie's doing great, but continued success, and I hope we can talk again. Definitely want to keep people updated on uh, on how it's doing and, and, uh, and uh, about the Edmonton screening once you nail it down. I hope we can have you on uh, when we get more details on that. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. Great success story there. Adam Scorgi, the producer of Ice Guardians, iceguardians.com, if you want to find out more. Shall we take one final look at the scoreboard, Mr. Bond? Sure. Penguins beat the Lightning 5-2. Coyotes leading the Hurricanes 3-2 late in the third. After two, Jets up 1-0 on the Blues. The Islanders lead Chicago 1-0 late second period. Calgary 2, Detroit 1 going into the second period there. Toronto and Anaheim coming up later tonight. The Golden Bears with a 3-2 edge on the Saskatchewan Huskies. That's in Saskatoon, game one of the best of three Canada West final. The Raptors win in Washington, 114-106 over the Wizards. Oh, the Wizards magic couldn't slow down the Raptors tonight. I cast a spell on you, Raptors. Oh, it didn't work. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. Our guest this evening, you heard from Dave Nedwin, Mike Weaver, Jeff Rieger, and Adam Scorgi. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Tomorrow at 6.30, face-off show, Oilers and Wings. Game starts at 8 here on Chet. I'm Reed Wilkins. Have a great weekend. 6.30 Chet, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chet.